You've tuned in to the Beyond Hope podcast, your access to success strategies and more to help you survive and thrive through your loved one's addiction challenges while you move onward and upward with your life. Now, here's your host, Shar Jones. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is Shar Jones, and I'm the host of Beyond Hope. Um, and I'm also the mother of an addict. So I understand, I understand what it means to love someone who struggles with addiction. It has been a very long journey for me, but I have gotten to a place of hope, uh, beyond hope, which is kind of the ironic twist to the name that I think really hope is where the healing begins. And on the other side of hope is life and joy and love and all these things that are no longer contingent upon the recovery of our addicts. So what I'm hoping to do with this podcast is bring to you so many people that I respect and admire, experts within the industry of addiction and recovery, who who have so much valuable information to share um, with me, with you, with all of us. And in addition, we'll be bringing you some stories of hope. And hopefully some laughs, maybe some tears along the way, but it's going to be all good. So thank you so much for joining me today. And I look forward to this journey with you. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Beyond Hope Radio. I hope you're doing amazing. I am bringing to you tonight part one of two, a conversation that I had recently with Chad Stevens. If you don't know who Chad is and you haven't listened to my last interview with him, it's episode 14 and it's called Understanding Addiction, Keeping It Simple. Go back and check that out. It's a really, really good conversation that we had and it led to us wanting to continue the conversation and do some more deep diving into some of these topics that are so top of mind for moms and family members. So the first episode, we dove into the topic of enabling. Enjoy. And if you have questions or topics that you would like for Chad and I to dive into, please send me an email. You can reach me at char at beyondhoperadio.com and enjoy this conversation. And I just looking forward to continuing to explore different areas with Chad. And I just thank you for tuning in. I thank you for listening and just sending you so, so much love. I will talk with you soon. Bye for now. Hey, Chad, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Chad. Yeah, I'm really excited. You've agreed to do six of these little mini sessions with me where we're going to dive into some content and really explore some of these topics that are really at the top of mind for moms. Sure. I'm, I'm excited to do this six-part series, and I'm hoping that we can help some people along the way. That's awesome. We had so much fun the last time, so I know we're going to have a good time today. The topic I posed to some of my mom groups, again, just put my feelers out there trying to find out what's on people's minds and thinking about the questions that I get through some of those conversations is people are really still confused about what is enabling? What does it look like? How is it different from tough love? How do they support their addicts without causing them more harm? So I thought that'd be a great place for us to start. Okay, cool. I think that's a good topic of conversation to delve into briefly. Yeah. You know, what's funny. For the first time, I actually looked up the word enabling in the dictionary and it was kind of, 
Um, I did that right now. I you just did? did that right now. I looked it up. Yeah. I just looked I was, it up. I'm like, let's see what the, let's see what the dictionary says. <laughs> I was kind of taken aback. So tell me what yours said and I'll tell you what mine said. Uh, according to Google, it says to give someone or something the authority or means to do something. Yeah. So that's the simple definition that came up. Wikipedia goes into more detail, but we can get into that later. What does yours say? Um, I looked on dictionary.com and it says to make able to give power, means, competence, or ability to, to authorize, to make possible or easy. That blows my mind. I mean, if that is not what we are trying not to do, we're giving that addiction the power. Yeah, you're... It's a funny switch in the in the definitions because it seems like in the addiction related field that enabling has kind of gotten a bad name for itself. And we've attached a new definition to it to where it always has this negative connotation. So maybe going back to the original definition and maybe rephrasing what we call enabling in the addiction field, maybe a good idea just based on what we're seeing. I don't know. Right. What do you think? Well, yeah. And I mean, it can be, obviously it can be positive or negative um, if you're giving, uh-huh. yeah, depending on what you're giving your power to, but just thinking of it like that, that this is something that you are giving your power to. I don't know. That's, that kind of blows my mind. Yeah. Because I was given a different definition not too long ago that just says enabling is doing something for someone that they can do for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's also part of the issue, but I think it's a, just such a great place to start. So going back to my moms that are just like the very first question I got, and I'm going to let you take this from, from your perspective is, you know, what do you consider the line between helping, enabling, and boundaries? And of course, we always want the answers, right? We want the quick answers. So, so And there is none. So I just want you to go and talk about what you think and from your experience and maybe um, give me a, a really brief reminder as to, to what you do and a little bit more of your experience for those who are hearing from you for the first time. Okay, sure. Well, I I work in addiction treatment and admissions. And relating to this topic of enabling, it comes across my mind a lot, or at least the thought does, whenever we have someone reach out for help, and we look at the family situation or their life situation. And a lot of the times, there's always something relating to enabling, you know, whether it's the parents or a family member or a friend. And I really, most people, I I think, just want to do what's best for the person. They want to do something that the other person is not able to do for themselves or not willing to do for themselves. Where the boundary lies is, I guess it depends on what the problem is. It, it doesn't even have to be in a substance addiction issue. So maybe establishing what the problem really is, is a good place to start. Because if it's overeating, or if it's using too many drugs, or if it's driving too fast, or if it's spending too much money, as a parent, I would think that I would ask myself, okay, now, did I ever teach my son or my daughter how to handle these life situations responsibly? Right. And is this something that was my responsibility to teach them? Was it their teachers in school? Was it a coach of theirs? Was it their friends? So maybe finding out what the problem is and then finding out if your son or daughter actually knows how to do those things responsibly. Because if they don't, then we can't be surprised when they're making mistakes, right? Right. That's so good. 
It's such a good place to start. And, and you and I have talked about this a little bit, but just uh, when addiction kind of knocks you off your feet as a parent, mm-hmm. we dive right into rescue mode. Yeah. I think if we just look at our own lives and say, okay, if I look at just the flow of things and how time flies, we get caught up in our own stuff. Mm-hmm. And then something like this lands on our plate and it's, we, we kind of do this complete 180 and go from one extreme to the next of like, wow, I, I haven't been paying attention to these things or wow, this is news to me or I saw the signs, but I didn't think I need to make any adjustments in my life to address this with my child. Right. So it, it, it goes, it can seem extreme at first, right? Like you didn't have your hand in and now your hand's completely in <laughs> their life. So it, yeah. it, it's, a, it's a funny boundary, you know, is that the right thing to do? Maybe sometimes. Ask yourself what the problem is. Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I think too, like maybe our next conversation, we can touch on this or one of our future talks will just be about what some of those signs look for, those earlier signs. And it just might be something worth exploring. Um, a lot of the information that we're operating from is probably dated. <laughs> you know, things okay. have changed so much. So that might be might be something we that we can talk about down the road. But when you're brought in, you've got the family members reaching out to you and they are full on, I assume in that kind of crisis place. So, so what are some of the first few things that you, I don't know, you're probably not in the business of advice giving, but tell me what that looks like for you. Well, you're right. I'm not in the business of giving advice. I, I don't want to interject myself in between what's going on in their family life. Because a lot of the times you can find that, especially in a a two parent situation, uh, that this situation specifically, that maybe one parent thinks that they should do one thing and the other one thinks they should do something else, right? And that's when I really, that's when I really don't want to get involved in that. <laughs> I can just kind of coach from the outside and say, well, there should be some sort of a compromise here between the parents and ask yourself, you know, what's the right thing to do here? And we should seek some professional help. And first, we don't want to forget about what the real issue is. It's now, let's center it around the person who needs help and let's do this quickly and let's act upon this in a way that is going to be in the best interest of the person. And then we have to ask ourselves the question, can I help the, this family understand whether or not their child or their loved one wants help? Are they receptive to that or are they, you know, is, are they in denial? So when we establish the approach and then how willing a person is to wanting to get help, It will determine how difficult the conversation is going to be when you approach somebody. And there may have been multiple failed attempts at parents trying to interject in their child's life when they address addiction because they they don't know how. They they don't know what to say. And unless you're really versed in this field, then it's a tough conversation to have with a child. And it's even interesting because you see families who actually work in addiction treatment, who run treatment centers, who have children that now have addiction issues, and they're almost 95% of the time the worst people to interject with their own child because they're so close to the situation. Yeah, I can see how that would be really, really difficult. So starting slow is important. Stepping back and thinking about what should be said and who should say it before just reacting is very important. I don't know if you have any of your own experience with that of kind of what works on your end or what has worked or what, what hasn't worked for you, Shar, because 
I'm still learning throughout this process from my perspective of how to do that most of the time from 3,000 miles away. I'm an unbiased, non-interjected source, some dude on the phone, right? I'm not seeing this firsthand. So what, you know, what was it like for you? Yeah. I mean, if I'm to reflect back for a minute here and just kind of think about these years of experience and trying to manage these kind of landmines, I guess is how I would think of them. Looking back now, I think knowing that not to get caught up on their timeline, uh, the addict's timeline, because they just want to get high, to be honest with you. And, and they want to get yeah. high yesterday. And uh-huh. we get caught up in this, uh, just a stressful place where we're supposed to fill their need now. And they make it very, very uncomfortable for us to say no. Now, we, we don't have time to go do the research and to do all these things. We're face-to-face with an addict. We are not equipped to have the conversation. I guess my first thing would say, buy yourself some time. If you don't know what the right thing to do is, it's okay to take a time out and step away from the situation. Just be like, hey, you know, I'll get back to you on this. Or let's talk about this tomorrow. Or just just stepping away from the situation so you can kind of get your bearings and and get some support from somebody that maybe knows a little bit more about what you're up against than you do. I guess would just be my first first piece of experience that I would share. Feeling yeah. okay with that, feeling confident in that, that you have the right to ask for time uh, when you're dealing with addiction and, and knowing that, that their, their needs are very different from yours. Yeah, asking for time. And so, I was going to say, asking for time in such an urgent situation. You know, it almost sounds like, how do you have the time? How do you even give yourself the time, right? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? <laughs> well, I just pulled back up Google and I said, well, how can we tie this into enabling the person with the problem and giving them the authority to do something positive rather than negative? Now, how do I enable my child to do the right thing yeah. here versus the wrong thing? Right. Right. That, that's good. That, that, that's a whole brainstorming session in itself because I think feelings get involved a lot. We don't want to hurt our children's feelings. The thing is, is that they're, they've been pulling away further along than you're seeing it. Like the person that's the son or daughter, they're dealing with something else. Addiction is not, is not the cause, right? So, so something else is going on with them that they're running from, that they're trying to escape from. So they've been pulling away for a while before this addiction enters their lives. And so when they come back into your life like that, and they are showering with love and praise, and they're giving their time to you, like, I'm going to have dinner with you. Let's spend time together. This is all manipulation. And they want you to give them what they want. And as quickly as they come back in for that need, whatever it is, money, a ride, I don't care what it is, they're going to be gone. And I think that that mm-hmm. is part of that sense of urgency as parents. We just, we want to hang on to them so bad. Um, mm-hmm. And, and, and you'll, you'll notice very quickly that as soon as you start saying no to some of these things, they're going to be right. They're going to go on to somebody else to get those needs met. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you have to be okay with that as a parent. I mean, that's really, really difficult. Sure. And managing that and realizing that, you know what, if I say no, that's okay. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not being a bad parent because I'm saying no to my child's request or demands. Yeah. Because if they weren't in my life, 
for a while because they were an adult and they were out doing their thing and they were either working or they, and they started getting high and I just didn't see much of them, but I had suspicion. And now all of a sudden they're back. If they were once managing their money and now they're not, if they once had a job and now they don't, that should raise some concerns there. So maybe creating some like go-to answers Mm-hmm. When that stuff happens, like wow, you're you're all of a sudden becoming more dependent on me when you weren't a while back. So, huh? Did, did something happen? Yeah. <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. It, it, what's 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 at the root of all this? And and then maybe say, okay, what kind of options can I offer to enable my child to do the right thing? Yeah, in a positive right? without way. without mm-hmm. compromising my own morals and values. Yeah. And I think reminding parents that it's okay to not have all this figured out. You don't, you're, you can't be expected to have all the answers. You're not going to know, you know, that, I mean, that's asinine, to be honest with you, to think that you're going to know exactly what to do or say in those types of situations. Sure. I, I can't tell you how many times I think my own parents compromised, and this was my father more than my mother but compromise their own morals and values and boundaries to make sure that I would be comfortable, to make sure that I wouldn't be mad at them, to make sure that I had a good shot. And that was a part of my demise. As a parent, I can understand, right? Knowing what I know now, I think I have more go-to answers to where it would be more along the lines of like, no, not at all. You shouldn't do that at all. Um, but when you're just starting out and going through the process of all this, kind of like, I like shooting in the dark. You know, you're not sure what's going to land, what's going to work, what's your child going to respond to. You know, what's, what's your relationship like with them? What has it always been like? So if you start acting like this different authoritative parent when you've never been one, don't be surprised yeah. if they don't listen to you. Yeah, that's a really good point. Well, and right. yeah, and starting early, early on, you know, sticking to what you say you're going to do. You have to, if you want your kid to respect you, you have got to set those boundaries early on and stick to them. Because when I tell you what, when, when they get older and the stakes are higher, you're going to wish that you had, you're going to wish that you had done Mm -hmm. that sooner. I was looking this up too. I was, you know, gosh, thank, thank God for the internet. Um, but there are, <laughs> you know, this whole idea of enabling. But um, one of the things that I, I was just reading about that I really liked was as families start to have a deeper understanding, you know, what's really at stake and what's going on, and they start to have those conversations with their addict, you know, of course, talking to them when they're sober, which is tough because usually when they're sober, they're not going to be around. Mm-hmm one thing that I was just reading about was after you set those boundaries to limit, which I thought this was really interesting, but it's genius to limit your one-on-one time with the addict, especially if you are the one that's doing the enabling. So teaming up with your spouse or a family, making sure, first of all, that whoever, you know, the family members are aligned um, and are on the same page and then limiting. If you're the weak one in the link, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. It's just knowing that the stakes are very high and so limiting your one-on-one time with them, if you feel like you're going to cave, you know what I mean? I thought that that was pretty genius. Sure. It, it's like subjecting yourself to just hopping in the ring with Mike Tyson. <laughs> right? It, That's what it feels it, you like. Know, it, it's like, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to do it anyways out of love because I, I just love Mike Tyson so much that you know, I, I'm going to step in the ring with him and I'm just going to take this what feels like abuse. 
Yeah. And and we volunteer for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we volunteer for that. So if you know that you're going to walk into a a hairy situation, come prepared and come with some boundaries or or come with a, a second or third party that can help protect you. And they can help remind you to say the, the right words and the right things that you should say in those situations, like not bending and flexing to their demands, not letting their, their negative words about you, their, their insults or the blame that they want to put on you affect your boundaries, affect what's doing, doing what's right. And that's all like key to the moment stuff. Yeah. Right? That's all like, man, like, like, can you, can you block the jab? Can you, can you dodge the right hook? Yeah. It, you know, it's, it, and that bending and flexing you were talking about is so, it's so spot on. And if that addict sense that there's a weakness within the relationship, they're going to go for it blow after blow. So sure. you don't have to necessarily, I don't think have to uh, maybe have the same exact outlook on the situation, but focusing on the common factor, which is your child, you want your, you want your son or daughter to be healthy and happy and safe and all those things. So having those conversations, no matter how, matter how difficult having those ahead of time, that if I'm noticing that you're starting to give or, you know, whatever, then I'm going to step in. I mean, just having some, some guidelines for those conversations, I think is good. Sure. And I don't think it's a whole lot of prep work. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you just read this piece of advice online in a matter of minutes. Yeah. So the the information's out there. It's really putting it into action. Yeah. And, you know, I, I suppose practicing it, but knowing that if you're, if you're going to interject yourself in a conversation, in a situation that could be a little hairy or be a little rocky, then have some go-to phrases or some go-to words to say. Yeah. I think that that's a great idea. Yeah, kind of to just protect yourself. Uh, otherwise, you, you're going to feel bad. They're going to bring you down to their level. And it's not because they don't love you. They, they may throw that out there as a guilt trip. You don't love me or I don't love you. And, and that, those are all empty threats, right? Like you said, manipulation. They're going to do whatever they can to get you to comply with what they want mm-hmm. or need. And so, I mean, I always used to really, I, I mean, I, we, as parents, we can all see the difference. I knew when I was dealing with the addict and when I was, you know, talking to my daughter, they had two mm-hmm. very, they were two very separate people and mm-hmm. learning to disconnect the heart a little bit. I mean, you just gotta, you, you got to know that you're, you're, you're not talking to your son or daughter that you, you know, when they were 12 or when they were a kindergartner or whatever like that, that's not who you're looking sure. at right now. And that's tough to swallow, but that's the way you got to handle it. And I think it's important to look at it from both sides in a way. I remember having these types of conversations with my family and even my friends and trying to get them to just do what I wanted them to do. And then seeing it from the other side, you know, how tough it would be to convince your parents to actually do what you really want them to do. Because in all these conversations, like what's the end goal for the addict? Get the parents to do what the addict wants. Right. And if you can, say to yourself, well, there's no way I'm just going to give you money. There's no way I'm just going to enable you negatively to do bad things. This is what I will do for you. Like, what, what, what would you hope that I would say as a parent in response to these 
insults or these demands or this manipulation? Like, do you expect me as someone who's been on this earth for twice as long as you have or whatever, or three times as long as you have to just bend to your beck and call? Like, what would, in, in, a, in a hypothetical situation, what would this look like to you if everything went your way? And do you think that's fair as a parent for me to meet that? Kind of putting it back on them a little bit just to understand that, like, wait a sec, you know, I am asking unreasonable things here. They may still try, but if that gets thrown out there, you may have a little luck and they may back off a little bit and they may go to a different resource for this, but at least it's not you. Yeah. And you know how to handle it next time it comes up. Like, what, what do you expect me to say here, son or daughter, when you say these things? Yeah. I used to say to my daughter, it would be a hell of a lot easier for me as a parent to give you whatever you wanted. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of work <laughs> to do the right thing as a parent all the time. I mean, you're, you're going to screw up. But I, I found that with my daughter, when I was just very clear and the tag teaming with the, with with my husband as well but just like this is this is where we're at now and this is what I am not going to do and I'm not going to bend on this and this is the way it is and these are the consequences and when you break it down for them really clear like that and firm and repeat it as oftentimes as you need to no yeah. I am not going to bail you out of jail ever again I mean it's something mm-hmm. as simple as that like and no, and they believe and they know and they believe you they're going to start to make some adjustments. They're going to know that you are serious. And I think it really, it goes a long way. I don't think that moms or family members recognize all of the aspects of enabling though, Chad. I mean, there are many. It's not just, I'm going to bail you out of jail. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. There's a lot of ways that we enable our kids. You're, you're absolutely right. If, if you read anything in the news about just the millennial generation and kind of the aspects that go into what have shaped them and the stereotypes that have been kind of fit into that, you'll see that it's not just with addiction issues, right? That there are a lot of key examples that will show that people aren't always prepared to work in the world as it is now in order to survive these basic life skills that teach people to think for themselves and make decisions for themselves. And it's interesting because parents can be over-involved in a lot of their children's lives. And they, in turn, it, it kind of weighs them down from growth and learning from these stumbles and falls that life brings. And I can't emphasize enough the value of that, but also knowing that I could go to my parents for some advice, but knowing kind of the stages of growth from adolescence to the teenage years to 18 to 21 to 21 to 25, like what is the general life path of somebody and how much involvement should a parent have? And if that baseline is kind of established early on in life, then the child will kind of be taught and learn that, hey, as I get older, my parents are supposed to back off more and I'm supposed to be more independent. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to listen to 
part two, the next episode that comes out where I will release the rest of my interview with Chad. We'll finish our conversation on enabling and we'll share some tips. And I have a very exciting announcement to share with you. So please don't forget to listen. I'm serious. You do not want to miss this. This is a very exciting opportunity for family members out there who have a loved one that is struggling with addiction. Just so grateful that you're here. I hope you have an incredible week and I look forward to talking to you soon. Hey everyone, thank you so, so much for tuning in and for helping me to connect with other moms of addicts or loved ones who are struggling with addiction in their lives. If you have questions for me, comments, suggestions on future show content, or perhaps there's a topic, a specific topic that you would like to hear from an expert in the field, I would love to hear from you. I am also interested in sharing your voice. So if you have messages of hope or personal stories that you think would resonate with our listeners, please send me an email. You can type me out a message or you can include an attachment um, to an audio clip with your voice. You can send that to Shar at beyondhoperadio.com. And with that, thank you again. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to Beyond Hope. For show notes and more, head on over to beyondhoperadio.com. A huge thank you to recoveryinnovators.com and James Healy. Thank you so much for putting up with me (laughs) and for helping me to um, produce and launch the show. I couldn't have done it without you. You You're so awesome. And to anybody else who has been considering uh, working with James, highly recommend him. Please go over to his website and check it out, recoveryinnovators.com.